Hello, welcome to the week 13 Football Outsiders Coach Ranking Show. Today we're going to talk some coaches. We're coming back to you after Thanksgiving. I uh, had the week off there. We're going to grade some interim coaches today, take a look at the Bengals and the Ravens. The Bengals are back in the Super Bowl. The Ravens have been struggling a little bit. We're also going to look ahead to some of our favorite matchups in week 13. We've got a lot of great ones. Starting off today, Vince, I want to ask you about Jeff Saturday. So the Colts won their first game with him at the helm and lost a close one to the Eagles in the second game. They came out extremely flat against the Steelers on Monday night. Don't think they got a first down into like the second quarter. But came out much better in the second half, outscored Pittsburgh 14 to nothing, uh, took a one-point lead before falling late. How would you grade Jeff Saturday so far? It's only been three games, but are there some spots that Indy has improved since he's taken over? Oh, there definitely are. Uh, the, in, in nine games under Frank Reich, Colts had a DVOA of minus 32.3%, which over the course of the season would be next to last ahead of only the Houston Texans. Uh, three games under Jeff Saturday, minus 9.9%, which would be 23rd. So about 10 spots better, give or take there. Uh, most of that improvement has been on offense. Uh, minus 34% under Reich would be last by a lot over the full season. It's up to minus 19.4%, which would be 30th, which still mostly sucks, but sucks much less. Uh, part of that is just that they're going with Matt Ryan instead of Sam Ellinger. Matt Ryan is a washed-up NFL quarterback, but a washed-up NFL quarterback is better than a guy who's not an NFL quarterback, and that's what Sam Ellinger is. So uh, they're better off with Matt Ryan by far. I think that's, that's the, the most important thing Saturday has done as a coach. Uh, but it's also clear that as much success as Frank Reich had with his team uh, over, over the years, the uh, you know playoff contenders, play, playoff berths every year, uh, they were not responding to him anymore. And uh, it, it happens sometimes. Players hear the same coach, say the same things for so many years. They start to tune them out. And uh, change can be a positive thing. And uh, it looks like this has been a positive thing for the Colts. Yeah, the fans, I think, were, were tuning him out as well. Like you said, the players got tired. Fans got tired. That offense was dead last there for a while, kind of jockeying for last and 31st. Have moved up a little bit, like you said. Uh, not not a ton, but Matt Ryan you know, being installed, reinstalled as quarterback was a big thing that's helpful for that team instead of Ellinger in, in some of his first action there. Uh, so we'll see how Saturday does again. Only three games. Uh, he'll finish out the year. It'll be a big topic in the offseason, uh, whether they can't imagine they'll come out and retain him right away. Uh, maybe look for a little while. They'll go on a hunt for another coach. Um, but we'll have to wait and see at that point. But things are going a little bit better, and they've lost the last couple there. Uh, looks a lot better in that second half against Pittsburgh. But uh, and Kenny Pickett, another thing, playing as a team, not really coaching-wise, but I guess potentially Kenny Pickett has started to come on lately as well and looked a lot better, so maybe not so much against Indianapolis. But uh, they definitely did not look good in that first half. I don't know how much of that you watched. I kind of had it on in the background because it was not an exciting game at all. Yeah, I, I was working on uh, uh, I was writing, so it was on, and I would just look up and uh, uh, see the Steelers had the ball every time I looked up. It's <laughs> usually a sign the other offense is not doing it very well, and uh, yeah, the, the numbers confirmed it. Um, I think uh, Ryan had one good quarter by DR. If I, oh, a reader asked me to look this up, and he was like one of the worst passes of the week in, in oh, excuse me, one of the worst passes of the week in the first quarter, and he only had three plays in the first quarter. Wow. So he was, yeah. <laughs> so a, a lot of damage done to his own team and little opportunity, but he, he improved throughout the game. But uh, there's only so much he can do. And, uh, you know, this, I don't think there's a, there's a big ceiling for this Colts team. I don't think there's going to be a turnaround. I know they're still technically, uh, I, I think they're still in, in, in the wild card berth because they got some fluke wins early. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I don't <laughs> think it's. 
gonna, I don't think it's going to come to fruition. And uh, I think they're going to play out the string and uh, say thank you, Jeff, for a, a job well done over these last two months and then move on to uh, a complete rebuild in the offseason. Yeah, that's definitely been been a long time coming since we've talked about it a couple of times since Andrew Luck's been gone. They've kind of been searching, and it it may finally come time for that, and we'll be looking for a coach there. Another one is Steve Wilkes I want to look at. Under the radar compared to Saturday taking over, because Wilkes actually has been a coach, nevertheless, never mind a coach in any capacity, before yeah. taking over for Matt Rule. The Panthers are three and four since he took over after that one and four start. Now, Wilkes really, I don't think, got a fair shot in his lone season in Arizona. Just kind of a bridge there before they got Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Um, so it's hard to really judge him on his head coaching there. How do you think he's done this year? How would you grade him so far with what he's done with Carolina? So what's interesting here is that the improvement in DVOA's eyes, uh, the improvement of the Panthers is very similar to the improvement of the uh, Colts. They've gone from about, about minus 30% in total DVOA to minus 13%, uh, which would be you know, from, from last or next to last up to 26th, so merely below average. And uh, like the Colts, most of that improvement has been on offense. They were uh, at minus 28% uh, with Matt Rule, which would basically be tied for last in, in the league. Uh, Houston's right, right around the same level. Uh, they're up to minus 13% under Steve Wilkes, which is 27th. And that's most notable because, you know, about that same time, Steve Wilkes has not had the benefit of coaching Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. So they traded away their best offensive player and at the same time got better on offense, which tells you a lot about Matt Rule. And uh, I got a lot to say about both these guys, actually. Uh, <laughs> you know, Matt Rule took over a team that went 5-11 and 11, uh, in 2019, the last year before they hired him. Uh, he never did any, any better than that. He won five games a couple of times and then only won one this year before getting canned. Uh, he put together his record as a coach uh, over the past three years, 11 and 27, that's a 289 win percentage. Uh, only Detroit, Houston, and Jacksonville have been worse than that. And at least you can say Detroit and Jacksonville are trending upwards. Yep. So uh, the, the only team right now that you can def- definitely say has been worse uh, and looks to be worse going forward than Matt Rule's Panthers is the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was a disaster for Matt Rule. And then, of course, you know, people ask me sometimes, I don't, I don't, I, I watch the NFL a lot. I don't watch a ton of college football. And one reason is there's no better field for people failing upwards. Uh, after a humiliating tenure as the Carolina Panthers head coach, rules unemployed for a couple of weeks. And then the University of Nebraska guaranteed this con man $60 million <laughs> of public money over eight years. And, uh, yeah. I, 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 I I'm not, a, not I'm just not a fan. I'm just not a fan. So uh, the point is, he's gone. He's gone now. That's, that's, that's Nebraska's problem. Enjoy Cornhuskers. And Nebraska really can't go, can't fall anymore. I said I follow college uh, here and there, NFL a lot more. Uh, but I do know Nebraska is not doing very well. The Scott mm-hmm. Scott Frost era was not very good. So only one way to go uh, from there. We've seen Rule do it in college, but uh, he's not coming off a great tenure in Carolina, as you just said. No, no. We'll see. Well, like, right. stranger things have happened, I suppose. We'll see how that goes. Now, Steve Wilkes, uh, his one year as a head coach prior was with the Arizona Cardinals in 2018. I think it was the right year. Uh, that happened to be the year I was writing the Cardinals chapter for Football Outsiders Almanac. So I had the burden, the chore of rewatching every game of that Cardinal season. Uh, and for those of you who think sports writing is easy, let me tell you, it ain't always easy. 
there was nothing in that year that made me think that this uh, Wilkes fella had a lot going for him or, uh, you know, that he was a victim of circumstances or anything like that. Uh, the, the, the team was just as a whole was a complete mess. Yep. Uh, you know, Josh Rosen was the quarterback and that didn't go well. Uh, there, there was not a lot to like in offensive defense, but the, the 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 game that has stuck with me the most from that season, I still can't believe I saw this. They had a game against the Oakland Raiders, and they took a one point lead with almost exactly five minutes to go. It was like five hundred one or five hundred two. In the next five minutes, they forced the Raiders to punt twice, but they couldn't kill the clock because they kept getting penalties on offense, giving the Raiders free timeouts. So the Raiders got the ball back with like two minutes to go and drove down and got a field goal and beat them. And uh, oh, wow. <laughs> it's just, this is, this is basic fundamental situational yeah. football. All you have to do, and, and, and you know, the, the, the penalties started to stack up. So at one point they were like a third and 20 or something. All you have to do a third and 20 is not commit a penalty, but they couldn't do that. <laughs> so it, it, it was a mess. It was a, a disaster, but hey, it was only one year. We have seen coaches yeah. get better after one year. So we and we've seen you know plenty of bad coaches get second chances. So it would be a great story if Steve Wilkes has in fact learned and improved and is a better coach now. And and he has already won as many games with the Panthers as he did in a full season with the Cardinals. Uh, if he gets two more wins this year, he will have as many he he will win as many games in two thirds of a season as Matt Rule ever did in a full season with the same team. So uh, I started looking for, are, are those wins uh, on the schedule? They still play Detroit. They still play Pittsburgh. They close the season against whatever's left of the New Orleans Saints. So uh, there's an opportunity there, and I'm cheering for him. Yeah, he's also got as many wins as Nathaniel Hackett does in his first year, which that may not all be on Nathaniel Hackett. We know he's had his, his moments with Russell Wilson just as he- not being good. We did not do a show last week because of Thanksgiving, which means I did not get to rant about Nathaniel Hackett uh, his defense got a sack. There was a holding penalty. He accepted the penalty to give the offense first and 20 instead of second and 17, mm-hmm. which even the announcers calling the game, I think it was on, I think it was on CBS, but uh, yeah, they were probably, why, why is he doing this? This makes no sense. We don't understand this decision yeah. at the yeah. time in the moment. So there yeah, you he, go. He really wanted those three yards. I guess <laughs> thought that they were really valuable. Uh, he's struggling as we know. And uh Steve Wilkes is doing well, so we'll see. I don't imagine it seems very rare, uh, at least from what I remember, for an interim coach to be kept on. Um, it's you know we saw Rich Bisaccia do really well last year, and he was let go for uh, Josh McDaniels, another one who's struggling here in his first year. But they they won a couple games in a row. Do you think he really has a shot at sticking in here? You think they're going to go for a big name there in Carolina or someone with more experience or more success? We were. Uh... When, when Rule got fired, we did uh, uh, NFL picks, the FO staff did NFL picks mm-hmm. about who the, the next coach in Carolina would be. And my point at the time was, I don't know uh, David Tepper well enough to know what he's looking for. This is a, this is a shot in the dark. And, and I still feel that way. I and mean, we'll see. Um, if if Wilson really does turn this around and they win like even three or four more games going mm-hmm. forward, I mean, at that point, you almost have to keep him. I am trying to remember the last time an interim coach in the NFL maintained his job the next year. It has been a long time. No, none of them are coming to mind. I'm sure it's happened. Yeah. But uh, I'm I can't think of any either. I can't think of any off the top of my head. No. So it'll be interesting to see if he stays on. I said, wins a couple more passes. What, what rule ever won in a game in 
less than a full season and he may keep it. But we'll move on to some teams that are, are doing well, going to make the playoffs. The Panthers not likely uh, to make it right now. Cincinnati, though, they've turned their season around. They started 0-2. They had losses to the Mitch Trubisky Steelers in week one where Joe Burrow threw uh, about 100 interceptions. And then the Cooper Rush Cowboys, the Bengals were 24th in overall DVOA through two weeks and 29th in offense. They've since gone 7-2. and Their only losses coming on the road in Baltimore and, Cle- and Cleveland. What have you seen from Zach Taylor and the Bengals staff? Have they have they simplified things, or maybe not simplified things? That's too too broad of a question. But what have I guess have you seen from them that they've been able to turn things around, or was it just kind of a a bad start in two games with Joe Burrow coming off the appendicitis and not getting a lot of practice reps and things like that in the preseason and just getting comfortable again? Before we move on, uh, just, mm-hmm. I looked up an old article here. This this article is ten years old, uh, written by uh, it's actually written by former. Uh, football Outsiders writer Scott Katzmar, but it's looking at interim coaches who kept their jobs. We have a few here. It's been a long time. Uh, Romeo Cannell took over in Kansas City after Todd Haley was fired, and obviously that didn't work. They ended up with Andy Reid. Uh, Leslie Frazier in Minnesota was an interim coach who kept his job, and then the one who did work out was Jason Garrett in Dallas. And uh, mm-hmm. when I say that worked out, I know there's a lot of Cowboys fans who... They might disagree. They don't, they don't look back fondly on the Jason Garrett era, but the fact is he was more successful than most coaches. So, yes. so there you go. It's been a decade since uh, it has worked out that way. Wow. Uh, now, moving on to the Bengals series you asked about. So this is one with, that uh, when you look back at it in hindsight, we, we all really should have seen this kind of thing coming because mm-hmm. uh, the Bengals totally rebuilt their offensive line, which meant they had, I, I think it was four new starters uh, between draft picks and free agency and trades. And the thing about the offensive line is that there's no – other unit in football where cohesion and teamwork are more important than individual talent. And when you completely rebuild a life of scratch like that, it can take some time for things to gel. And we have seen this line gel in Cincinnati. They've been playing a lot better. Uh, Joe Burrow was sacked 13 times in his first two games. He's only been sacked 20 times in nine games since. So that's, you know, cutting your sacks per game by two thirds or so. Uh, aside from the Cleveland game on Monday night, which was totally an, an anomaly, mm-hmm. uh, the offense is gradually being better throughout the year, running and passing, and that's the kind of thing you'd expect to see as an offensive line spends more time together and gets to know each other and learns how to work together better. Uh, they are, you know, slowly but surely improving throughout the year, which is kind of what happened last year. Uh, nobody at the start of December last year was talking about the Bengals as a Super Bowl right. team. But they improved, and they maintained that improvement and got to the Super Bowl. Uh, and they're kind of doing the same thing here, just kind of sneaking around the uh, lower levels of the playoff chase and uh, uh, flying under the radar a bit. And soon they're going to get Jamar Chase back, and we may find out just how dangerous this team, this team is in about six weeks. Yeah, and they're tied now with uh, Baltimore, 7-4 and four in the division. As I mentioned, Baltimore got the the win there earlier in the year. Still have another game coming up, but have the tiebreaker there. Could easily go on and win this division again, or maybe not easily, but have a shot to win the division again. As you said, they're playing really well right now and have a good shot. So great job for Zach Taylor and them and the offensive line coach as well, getting those guys together to, to play a lot better. Speaking of, the Ravens going to stick there in the AFC North. They're the fourth team. I saw this stat. I think it was like CBS on NFL or NFL and CBS or their Twitter account. They're the fourth team to lead by more than one possession in each of their first 11 games of a season. The other three teams were the 1942 Bears, 2009 Saints, 2011 Packers. All those teams went 11-0. These Ravens are only 7-4 and and just blew another one this past week to the Jaguars, who are up and coming and have been playing really well at times this year and here lately. But that is unusual for a John Harbaugh team. You don't expect them 
to do things. Very fundamental always. Uh, you know, get a lead. You kind of expect them to win. Lamar hasn't been playing as well as as he has in years past, but has kind of been coming down a little bit. It's hard to live up to that MVP year he had. What do you think, though, is going on with the Ravens that that is causing this? Is it uh, just players not performing? We know they've got some injuries as well, or is it something the coaches need to do better of, uh, John Harbaugh specifically? So this was really weird. Uh, I went to the DVOA database, and uh, I should mention that you, the listener, have access to this database as with the subscription to FL Plus. You can look up DVOA by situation, including late and close, which is you know the fourth quarter. I think it's fourth quarter up or down by eight points or less. To my shock, and I was shocked when I saw this, the Ravens are second in offensive DVOA in late and close situations, and seventh on defense. So overall, they're playing well, which sounds weird for a team that keeps yep. blowing these leads and losing games in the fourth quarter. But you forget they have also won tight games in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. They have a tight win over Cincinnati. They had a close win over Cleveland. They had a close win over Tampa Bay. So this record in uh, you know this tendency to blow leads and, and, and lose some of their close games, it's just really weird and really random and just a lot of bad luck. So I, I looked at the box scores for a minute, trying to find a common trend, and uh, – in those four games where they where they blew the double de- double digit lead and lost, uh, the Baltimore offense went for it on fourth down six times, only converted twice. Okay. The opponents went for it on fourth downs six times and converted five of them. So uh, that's twelve plays on fourth downs where nine of them went the other way. So uh, you know those are that's a small number of plays. It's only three or four per game, but they have a huge impact on who wins and loses. Yep. Uh, small impact on yardage totals and usually turnovers and things like that, but a massive impact on wins and losses. So it's a cliche, but it's really true here. There's two or three plays here that if they go the other way, the Ravens are uh, nine and two or ten and one, and we're not even having this conversation. So it's it, it's it's weird. It's random. It's fluky. It's not likely to continue. But uh, at this point in the season, the damage may already be done because those wins and losses are permanent. They don't come off the board. So uh, they're, you know, they've probably, because of, because of these losses, probably played their way out of the one seed and the first round by. Uh, they're neck and neck with Cincinnati in the division. They may have to go on the road. Um, and it's, it's just one of those things because this, even at 17 games, the, football, the NFL schedule is so short. Uh, one or two bad losses have a, a huge impact when they're in the middle of a playoff race. And they're still, like you said, they're still in good shape. They're leading the division on the tiebreaker right now. Still have a game against Cincinnati. Uh, I think they got a simpler schedule down the stretch, if I don't, uh, or if I recall correctly, than uh, the Bengals or even uh, the Steelers, the the uh, well, the Browns, who don't have a good shot coming back. They've got the Broncos at home at the Steelers, at the Browns. They've got the Falcons, the Steelers again, and the Bengals at the end of the year. So that last game of the season could be a big one, but it's a little bit simpler than what the other teams in that division still have to face. But I'm glad you brought up the fourth downs because that takes us right into the the last thing I wanted to talk about before we get into our our matchups that we're most looking forward to this weekend. And that is our CCI rankings as we head into November or December. <laughs> the last full month of the regular season will begin this weekend. Uh, we'll take a look at these CCI rank again is how well coaches do on fourth down decision making only. So how much win probability they gain or lose just on decision to either correctly go for it or incorrectly kick or incorrectly go for it. Sometimes that happens. There's not really much change from what we saw the last time we visited these rankings a few weeks ago. Dan Campbell is still first. Cliff Kingsbury is second. Kevin Stefanski third. He was in the top five, I think, or maybe at six, but right up there. Uh, 
I almost said Doug Peterson, Philadelphia, Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia, and uh, Sean McDermott at fifth in Buffalo, and then Ron Rivera and Doug Peterson there at six and seven. I think the top five, maybe three, four, and five are switched around. Uh, Washington and Jacksonville up there at six and seven is pretty much the same. Nothing surprising there. And then at the bottom two, New Orleans is last. Dennis Allen not doing a good job uh, after uh, Sean Payton had been pretty aggressive for most of his tenure. Kyle Shanahan, 31st. Nathaniel Hackett, 30th. Brian Dable at 29th. And Andy Reid still there at 28th. He's come up from last early in the season. Still not as aggressive as usual, but we kind of covered all these guys a few weeks ago. I don't think there's nothing to me that that stands out. I think everything is pretty much the same. We've talked about, you know, Andy Reid being low, expecting him to come around and make the big decisions when it matters. But anything there from you, you want to touch on any of those coaches that you heard sounds sounds off or anything that you noticed? John Harbaugh, for what it's worth, too, since you were just mentioning that, is ninth, which is a little bit lower than what he normally is. But still, mm-hmm. top 10 is where he pretty, he's always in the top 10, it seems like. No, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of change since the last time we talked about it. And uh, these coaches pretty much are who they are. And the guys who are aggressive are going to stick being aggressive. And the guys who are conservative are going to stick being conservative. Um, and, you know, we're two, there's two-thirds of the way through the season here. There's not going to be much change in these rankings between now and the end of the year. Uh, we were talking about schedules a minute ago in the AFC North race. And uh, I think you were going over Baltimore's schedule, mm-hmm. which we have kind of in the middle of the pack. Yep. Uh, we should point out the Cincinnati Bengals have the most difficult future schedule by a lot. Uh, wow. Their average opponent in DVOA, uh, the next, I think, six games is 17%. Uh, Miami and Chicago are the only other teams that are even at 10%. Um, this this Bengals schedule from here on out, Kansas City at home, Cleveland at home, at Tampa Bay, at New England, Buffalo at home, Baltimore at home. Lord almighty. <laughs> If, if they get into the playoffs, they will have earned it. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Like I said, it it could come down if they're able to get get some wins there uh, and keep it close with Baltimore. That last one at the end of the season could be a big one. Yeah, Baltimore definitely has the easier schedule there. The Browns are are out of it, but they're kind of similar. Well, well, they're kind of in between. I guess they could still make a push. They've got the Texans, the big one this week with Deshaun Watson coming back. Yeah. Cincinnati, Baltimore at home, New Orleans, Washington, and Pittsburgh. So, I mean, they we kind of got to wait and see how Watson looks and how that team looks with him, but could make a push. I think there's still a few games out of really being able to compete there, um, at least in the division. They're, what, three games back? Yeah, they're four and seven. Yeah. I guess it's possible. It's not impossible, uh, not likely, but, yeah, it should come down probably between Baltimore and Cincinnati, and Baltimore probably has the advantage there, at least schedule-wise, uh, as, as we just mentioned. That takes us into coming up on the end. We're going to look ahead. Before we do look ahead to the matchups from this week, just want to ask you out there, those of you out there watching, if your season-long fantasy teams are floundering, just a couple weeks left of the regular season, if you've been out of it for a long time, you're about to fall out of it, don't quit fantasy football. Play on underdog fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Play underdogs Battle Royale, which is a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft gives you simpler chances to win than with those traditional daily fantasy sports sites. You can even win 50 grand if you grab first place. You can also try their pick'em games where you can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines, basically building out a parlay of prop bets. You can do that even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around, so join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. 
So that takes us into our last segment, part of the show. We look forward to this weekend's best matchups in our eyes, most exciting, the best coaching matchups, really anything goes on this. So Vince, which uh, matchup or matchups are you most looking forward to this weekend? I mentioned at the top, we have a lot of really good matchups. You, you, you mentioned a lot of good matchups, and I'm, I'm looking at your notes here, and I see you, you, you've highlighted uh, multiple games here that you might pick just to make sure we don't pick the same game every week, which is a wise idea. Uh, but I can't help but notice that none of the games you've picked here are Miami at San Francisco, mm-hmm. which is a huge game. Um, it's a it's a long shot Super Bowl preview, but it's a, it's on the radar Super Bowl preview. We got it at one point five percent of the time in our playoff odds, which is a long shot, but not the craziest thing ever. Uh, there's a ton of uh, of storylines going on. It's teacher versus student with Kyle Shanahan versus uh, uh, Mike McDaniel. Uh, DVOA's top quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa versus DVOA's top t- DVOA's top five defense, the fifth ranked defense of the 49ers. Uh, there's tons of ex San Francisco players on the Miami, on Miami's roster, so there's lots of revenge storylines, including Raheem Mostert, who this week accused San Francisco of mishandling his injuries, which I found interesting mm. because I think we've discussed this before. But uh, San Francisco, year in and year out, is one of the most injured teams in our uh, uh, adjusted games loss rankings. So uh, there, he, he may have a point. I don't know for sure, but it's the, 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 that's the closest I've ever heard to anyone pointing a finger at why San Francisco is injured all the time. Especially uh, running backs. They always have running backs injured, specifically, it seems. Uh, everything. Uh, the running backs, for sure, for sure. But uh, they've, they've, you know, quarterback injuries, as we've seen this year with Trey Lance, yeah. that appears to be, that's, a, that's, that's a bad luck thing. Uh, but they've had defensive back injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they all sorts of problems, but uh, it's interesting. It's something I plan to look at closer in the off season. If, the, if maybe that's one of the uh, uh, underlying causes there. Uh, and lastly, I should point out that uh, since the Christian McCaffrey trade, the San Francisco 49ers are third in the league in pass offense DVOA behind these Miami Dolphins and uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So that appears to have been a, a game changer. And, and and I think people know San Francisco is a good team, but I think the Common perception uh, and even DVOA numbers may be underrating them because, you know, that, that, that's a personnel change that may not be accounted for strongly enough in the numbers. So, but anyway, long story short, uh, Dolphins at 49ers. Niners are a three-and-a-half-point favorite, which because they're at home. Uh, the biggest game of the week, the playoff standings. The, the dogs are so excited. They can't wait for this game. Uh, that, that's my pick for game of the week. They're ready for Dolphins 49ers. But, yeah, I've got the Browns, Texans, obviously one of the biggest, but if not more, for Deshaun Watson's first game off his suspension, facing his former team in his former home stadium. Uh, kind of fishy the way that they set up that that uh, suspension, especially after the schedule was out. Uh, Chiefs-Bengals is a big one. Obviously a rematch from last year's AFC Championship. Bengals beat the Chiefs twice last year. Jets-Vikings is one uh, that might be kind of under the radar. The Jets have that great defense. The offense was absolutely revived under Mike White last week. It was against the Bears, who are the second-worst defense in DVOA. Faces a little bit of a tougher test there. And the Vikings still competing for the one seed, and this is a tough matchup, especially against the that Jets defense that's top 10. And then one more, so I'll just kind of be watching all of these games all weekend long, trying to keep an eye. Chargers-Raiders is not necessarily a great matchup you know a playoff matchup or anything like that but the Chargers finally won a late game okay on the two-point conversion and throughout their history having all those late losses heartbreakers they won one the Raiders have won two in a row and I don't think they either are uh, mathematically eliminated from the playoffs don't expect them to make it and then Josh Jacobs 
with the injury may not play, but they've won a couple big ones uh, over the last couple of weeks. And I just think that it's in the in, intra division battle is always fun. So there's really a lot of good ones. Uh, I did actually have Dolphins and 49ers at first, and I had a feeling you might take that. And I had so many other ones. I was like, I'm going to leave that one out. Uh, I'll remember it if you don't mention it. But yeah, that's probably the biggest one for me, I think. Um, but uh, again, just a lot of really good matchups that we got this week should be an exciting one. But that does it for this week's show, our week 13 coach ranking show. Just a few more weeks that we'll have have these shows and looking at our coach rankings on the go through. I guess we've got the all month of December that we'll have these. So we'll be back next week with a little bit more. Don't forget, you can get that free $100 from Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS. That's a deposit match up to $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS. Also, don't forget to sign up for FO Plus, as Vince mentioned earlier in the show. Get that at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Get NFL betting picks, fantasy advice, premium stats and articles, some more in-depth stats, and an ad-free experience, as well as access to all of our data on Monday instead of having to wait until Tuesday to get that data. And then last but not least, join us on the Football Outsiders Discord as well for in-game conversation for every game beginning with this Thursday night. Uh, if you catch this before Thursday between the Patriots and Bills all day Sunday and then on Monday night as well. Thanks for watching. Vince, thanks for joining me as always, and we'll see you next week.